Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today to Off the Bench. Today is Friday, April 30th, and today I am honored to air part three of my interview with my friend Steve Deese, the co author of The Faucian Bargain. Stick around, I think you're going to be encouraged. Thanks for tuning in today. I am so encouraged to continue to hear from all of you guys who are telling me how you are getting off the bench. Kay from Oregon wrote in to say, as a public charter school teacher, I got off the bench by refusing to participate in what I call the, quote, practices that are harming students. My administrators worked with me to adjust my job assignment. It was scary to step out, but God gave me courage to stand against the harmful practices of masking distancing, sanitizing, and tracking. I have felt my faith muscles grow stronger every day. My heart breaks when I see children in masks, and I simply could not violate what God was clearly telling me, that this was wrong. In addition, I am establishing myself as a homeschool parent consultant and offering developing enrichment classes so I can ease my way out of public education. Wow. So this is so exciting to me. It's so good to hear from UK and Oregon to hear how you're getting off the bench. If you guys want to send me your stories of how you are getting off the bench, just go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday and fill out that form and just write in there off the bench. Please keep your story short and sweet and to the point. I want to say thank you to Amanda from Wisconsin for supporting this podcast financially. She wrote in to say, Heidi, thank you for being an encouragement. My husband and I have chosen to pull our kids out of public school and join a private school instead. I'm grateful for the impact that you've made in my life. Thank you for being brave and speaking the truth unashamedly. Amanda, I really appreciate that. It's so encouraging for me to hear many, many of you taking your children out of the public indoctrination centers known as our public education system. So good job, you guys. All right. I hope you've been encouraged by my interview with Steve Deese. I hope he is challenging you. Uh, I hope you'll go out and buy his book, The Faucian Bargain. You can get it. Looks to me like pretty much anywhere books are sold. You guys, this is a handbook for war. It's going to give you the information that you need in order to talk about what's happening intelligently and to really move the needle away from lies and back toward truth. So without further ado, here's part three of my interview with my friend Steve Deese in progress. Well, and it, it sounds, I mean, what you're, what you're doing, and this is why I'm so encouraged to see someone with your platform be willing to risk the platform for the truth. Every person listening to this needs to be willing to, to take a risk to tell the truth because truth has to be what we are after above everything else. And when we realize, like we were saying a few minutes ago, hey, something's wrong. We have an obligation to search for And search out the truth. And you're right, because all of these people that we're hearing with these fancy titles and all the letters and after their names, and what they're doing is discouraging critical thinking, and Christians need to be encouraging it. We need to be saying, hey, you guys are squashing discourse, squashing debate. We're going to have one. We're going to start talking about this out in the open. And not just in the quiet places of of our homes. And I was saying in, uh, in, in Texas just a couple of days ago, if I were to give the church a grade, I would give them a D minus, you know, there's a few churches that I've, that have handled this well, but the vast majority of them I'm here in in the Pacific Northwest, tons of of churches still closed, or you can't go unless they take your temperature at the door or you wear a mask and, you know, or two masks and you got to, and I'm thinking, boy, you know, when this is over, if it's ever over, 
will we, who's going to go to that church and listen to that pastor talk about how to dare to be a Daniel? What does it look like to have faith? What does it look like to have courage? We have a crisis of courage in the church right now. If you know of people, and I kind of want your opinion on this, who are going to churches right now that are forcing them to wear masks and forcing them to to do temperature checks, what do you say? What What's your encouragement to them? I, I think that we can be comforted by the notion that this has been a great clarifier. Now, the problem we have as human beings is we get discouraged when the clarification comes and there aren't as many people wearing our uniform as we expect. We, we need strength in numbers. We're not impressed by one shepherd boy in the Valley of Elah. We're not impressed by uh, Gideon's original 300. We're not impressed by 12 or a, apostles or 110 people waiting in an upper room for the Holy Spirit to arrive. You know, when pastors get together, one of the first questions they infamously ask each other is, you know, how many people did you have last week? No one graduates from a seminary and says, man, I just want to have, after three and a half years of ministry, I want to have 110 people that I know are just totally sold out uh, to, to, to the message. No one has that dream. We need no, we're not impressed by that. And so when, when, when God brings a spirit of clarification along, we get discouraged when the, when the herd gets cold and thinned. When in reality, that according to the biblical worldview, that's a moment of encouragement that um, the master is pruning his garden. All right? And and you're going to see here who's ultimately the most committed. And if you look at history, as Samuel Adams pointed out, it's always the minority of the most committed that changes the course of history. It's the case every single time. Most people don't even bother to show up. And when you talk about the the lack, the spirit of uh, the lack of courage, I saw a story the other day that the Bishop of the Church of Ireland is basically begging Prime Minister to let them reopen their church. And I just thought, that's how we got St. Patrick. He showed and begged the pagans, begged, begged the Druids. Do you guys mind if I preach the gospel here? Can I get your permission, Druids? Do you guys mind, you know, between your human sacrifice and whatever the heck you're doing over there at Stonehenge, do you guys mind if I tell you about the risen Lord? Can I get, you, can I get a written note permission for me to hold church? Do you guys mind? I, I, I mean, it's just, it's just mind-numbing. It's preposterous. Church is just kind of waiting for permission. Permission for what? For for what? Are you a are you a are you a minister of the gospel or a ward of the state? And and I, I think ultimately we can be greatly encouraged by by having the 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 field winnowed like this. Now we're not wasting our time on people who aren't with us. Now you, now you know who will stand in the gap and who won't. Because here's the other thing, Heidi, this paradigm isn't an outlier. It is an omen. You know, last week, um, uh, Fauci went on television and started talking about gun violence is now a public health situation. The week before, the head of CDC started talking about a, a, a insufficient wokeness is a public health issue. They kept trying to figure out, we had all these divisive culture war issues for decades in America, abortion, gay marriage, immigration, et cetera. And, and we had very divisive debates and elections over these, but still most after they were over the, the mutual, uh, um, joy of Americana, literally games, sporting events, going to the movies, those things went unabated. We, we still could share a country together. The spirit of the age hates that. But it's been wondering what, what, what is the Rosetta stone here? What will unlock this? So 
we can make this extremely personal to all of you. Like you may be personally against gay marriage, but if your neighbors, if you're not married to the lesbian couple next door flying the rainbow flag, it, it's personal. It's not personal to you. It's philosophical. It's esoteric. It doesn't come home to you. They found a way now to bring this home to every home. We showed the spirit of the age that if, it, if, that if they scare us with our health, then, then, then we'll lift our skirts to pardon uh, a brutal pun, but is, I think, applicable in this scenario, that we will give him the cow uh, or the milk without him for free, without buying the cow. We'll, we'll, that. We'll, we, will, we will assume the position for the spirit of the age. It may, it may ask of us whatever it would like. The minute Loki stands up and says, you were made to be ruled, we will all take the knee. And so therefore, going forward, this tactic will be used repeatedly. Everything will now be a public health crisis now. Everything. So you better be prepared to stand up to this because now that we showed our kryptonite, it's going to want to run this back repeatedly. Mm. I'm noticing too, as I travel, and I know uh, you do also, the fear that's at the airport, you know, the, it's everywhere. And I, I was telling my husband as we were uh, boarding, boarding our plane the other day, uh, that the Bible teaches us that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And as we have moved farther and farther away from the living God, as we have traded in what is true for a lie, and we've done this in the quiet places of our hearts. We've done this as instead of having Wednesday night Bible studies, we're teaching people how to make beer. You know, we've we've traded in the the work of discipleship for an, a life of ease. The church has no theology for suffering. We're not ready to suffer. And here we are at the jumping off place. And as we see our liberty being taken away by the spirit of the age, the church has an opportunity to stand up and go, oh my goodness, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. We're doing something wrong. Maybe we, maybe we haven't been walking with the Lord. And as I have observed, and I'm sure you have too, Bible teachers who I have looked up to for years, but kind of wondered like over the last 10 years, what's that tweet about? What do you mean with that? That seemed a little bit odd. Now all of a sudden we're seeing the woke separated you know, the progressive church. I, I talked about this last week on the podcast, you know, woke church is a broke church and what that looks like. But we have an opportunity right now. And I would say you've made an excellent case for this in the book, not just an, not just an opportunity, but an obligation to stand up for liberty, to stand for truth. And remember that where the spirit of the Lord is, liberty follows. Yeah. And I think if you go back, look at the pilgrims, what were they rebelling against? It wasn't Islam. It wasn't wokeism. It was the Church of England. Their own neighbors. People who called, uh, who said they called on the same Savior and Lord as they do. Would literally lead the authorities and say, hey, yeah, that pastor over there, that Bunyan guy, he doesn't have an approval. He doesn't have a license to preach from the crown. You want to go in there? Do something about that. These were their neighbors. They looked like them, talked like them. This wasn't some foreign invader. This came from within their own countrymen. They had to escape their own countrymen. They weren't escaping uh, the, the more incursion into Europe. They were escaping the Church of England and vis-a-vis and, and, and -vis by extension, the King of England. Think about that. So that's kind of what we're up against 
in our own culture. And I, I just think that we're going to have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. In any conflict, whoever believes most in the rightness of their cause wins. That is the lesson of history. How do 56 framers, signers of a Declaration of Independence, inspire a movement that holds off the empire that the sun never set upon? The first defeat of the British Armada, they were so ashamed, they launched a separate attack against us in 1812 to get their their pride back, if nothing else. How does that happen? Why, Why are we, and I agree with this, by the way, but why are we limping away from Afghanistan 20 years later? Because we don't give a rip about the dung holes of Afghanistan. But the people there do. They care more about it than we do. Conflicts are always won by the side that is the most convinced in the rightness of its cause because they will do the tactics it takes, the perseverance, the suffering, the proselytizing, the, the persuading. They will engage in the tactics it takes to ultimately win. And we've had it too easy And I say this as a guy, man, I got my man cave the other day trying to recover from these allergies. I just sit around in my theater room watching the Snyder Cut with my son, my teenage son, for a second time, just vegging out. I get it. I'm an American. I love the accoutrements of being an American as much as anybody else does. But it's not an idol, man. It's not a religion. It's, 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 It's not a god. And... We have gotten too drunk on our own complacency. And the good news is, or bad, depending on how you look at it, we're going to get in a fight in shape here because these things are being taken away from us systematically right in front of us. There's nowhere you can go almost anywhere now There's without some form of a, spirit, of a lecture from the spirit of the age, without having it put its boot on your throat to some extent, almost nowhere. So... This is our Alamo moment. You can either just sit there and watch your belief system and way of life die out, or you can fight like it's up to us and pray like it's up to him, as they said in the revolution. That's, those are your options, really. Because unlike the pilgrims, we don't have a new world to jump on a boat and escape to. There is no uncharted, undiscovered country yet. Uh, and, and terraform and begin anew. So the only way out is through. Yeah. Well, and has been pointed out, you know, many times in the last year after America, there's no place to go. You know, where, where are you going to run? I keep hearing people say, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to leave my home, my state. You know, a lot of people talking about leaving the Pacific Northwest in California. And frankly, I don't blame them. But the truth of the matter is, you know, I decided to run for Congress because I will not be driven from my home. I will not be driven from my home. I will not allow what is happening to my family go un, unchallenged. And it needs to be challenged. And that's why, you know, we, the name of this podcast is Off the Bench. The whole, the whole goal every time I get on the show is to motivate people, get off the bench, yeah. get onto this, get onto yeah. the, uh, onto the battlefield. We need you here. And uh, I so appreciate your exhortation to the men, because for as much as the women have been talking about, you know, how anything you can do, I can do better. And now we're watching the transgender men, you know, get into women's sports, which is a whole other piece of garbage. The emperor has no clothes. I'm like, when, when do we stop putting up with this? When do we stand? When, when do the men stand up and say, no, you don't get to treat the women that way. We're sorry by virtue of the fact that we are stronger, but because of our DNA, because we're men, we are stronger. We're not going to allow this to happen to the weaker sex. And 
And to me, when we begin to see that happening, I know that there will be, that there will have been a movement behind it that God is in because we need that to happen and we need it to happen yesterday. Amen. And as, as, as many problems as we have here, this is still by far the best place to live on earth. Very blessed to live here. Even when the, his people, when he sent them with the deserving and overdue, uh, probably captivity uh, in Babylon, through the prophet Ezekiel, God says, Mary, work your farms, your lands, your crops, live your life. You know, uh, the, you're, there, are, there was even in the midst of that captivity in Babylon, there was still, they were still being blessed with marriage, family, relationships. We still have those things here in a declining culture. Enjoy them, but do not indulge them. And in the end, to me, and I say this especially to the guys, there's, when, when, when I'm done here, I want two things to happen, Heidi. One, I want demons in hell to wipe the sweat off their brow. Glad that I'm gone. That's one. But two, I want my children to be able to say at my funeral, you know, we saw the old man with his knickers down, literally and figuratively. Uh, we saw him when he was not living up to what he believed. We saw him when he was a hypocrite. We saw him when he was weak. We saw him when he was strong. We saw him when he was flawed. We saw him when he was righteous. And in, But in the grand scheme of things, we can say this. Looking at the long arc of the old man's life, dad fought the good fight. He kept the faith and he finished the race. And if my kids can stand up at my funeral and say that about me and, and not feel like they were dishonest in any way, then I really believe that I'm going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant when I next await. I think too many men are too worried about the wrath of man, not nearly as worried about the wrath of God. I'm sitting here in the stands at this track meet, and I know what they're doing to our daughters with the bearded lady act here is bad, but I look around and, and you know, I don't want, they're going to scream at me, yell at me, yell. Yeah, they might, I don't know, maybe they will. But I guess, you know what, you can explain that to your creator eye to eye when you see him in eternity one day. You can let him know that you just didn't feel right going after, you know, being, uh, being ridiculed by three dudes on their phones, not even paying attention to their daughters running in the track meet anyway, uh, standing up for what God put you on earth for. I mean, you can have that conversation with him if you'd like. I kind of would rather offend you than him. So that's kind of how. And that really is, that's really what this is going to come down to. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, who do we serve? We serve God or do we serve man? And we know because the Bible teaches us that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And the Lord's going to come back one day and this is going to, this is going to be set right. And in the meantime, we got a job to do and he's put us here for such a time as this. This really is an Esther moment for the church. It is a, it's a Bonhoeffer moment for all of us to be able to look out at what is ahead of us and watch what God has done in the past when the church has entered difficult seasons. For me, there's no better place on the earth. There's no place I would rather be. And as much as I want to pick my family up right now and move to Florida under Ron DeSantis, I can say with certainty, and I've been telling to my, my friends this as I travel, Floridians are only one bad election away from a terrible governor. They're only one legislative, yes, yes, we're all one legislative session away from terrible laws that strip us of our civil liberties and of our freedom. Texas had an outdoor mask mandate imposed by a Republican governor last July, outdoors. 
It's embarrassing. I'm, yeah. 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 He's an embarrassment. And I saw Asa Hutchinson, you know, embarrass himself on uh, Tucker Carlson last week talking about how he, uh, remember at the end of the day when he, when he just could not stand in the gap for these young children who are being done, irreparable harm is being done to them in the name of wokeness and of our woke gospel and of our woke medicine. Yes, the, the governor of Arkansas literally took the, sta- the, the stance that in the last year, an adult could not decide whether to breathe three, free air, but a child could decide to castrate themselves. I, that's just, it's, it's, it's wickedness. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's wickedness. And then I, I saw as he was leaving, he put his mask back on and his mask said, I wear this mask for you. And I was like, and we're done. <laughs> and Heidi's out. Like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, yeah, no, you don't wear that mask for me. You wear it for you. That's what you're doing. You're wearing it to, to perpetrate a lie of which I will not participate. And I know Steve, that you're not participating either. I so appreciate your, your courage. It is uh, in short supply right now. I am honored to have had you on the show and uh, I just thank you for what you're doing and hope to have you back on again. And we'll continue talking about this. It's important. In the meantime, where can people find you if they want? They're like, who is this guy? How can I follow him? Where can they find you? I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And maybe next time you have me on, it won't be allergy season. But uh, <laughs> uh, just look for Fauci and Bargain, uh, the most powerful and dangerous bureaucrat in American history. You can get it on either uh, Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com. And uh, you can also just uh, look for us. Uh, just if you want to look for our podcast. Search for my name, Steve Dace, D as in David, E-A-C-E, uh, on iTunes, or you can uh, get the, the TV show we do each day at blazetv.com slash Dace. That's my last name, blazetv.com slash Dace. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Steve. It's been uh, just a real pleasure and an honor to have you here, and I hope you come back again soon. Happy to do it. It's an honor to be here. My wife's a big fan, by the way, so thank you <laughs> Thank you. For more information on Steve Dace and the Fauci and Bargain, go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast. Scroll down to the end, and I will link back to all of these things in the show notes today. I hope you guys have been encouraged and inspired as you get off the bench and onto the battlefield in the defense of truth in the culture. This is a lot to think about, and I'm going to leave it here this week. And have a great weekend, you guys. And I will see you back here on Monday at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at MomStrongInternational.com.